to Asking Hard Questions, a podcast for arts educators where we explore issues of cultural representation and appropriation. This podcast is recorded on Turrbal country. We are in Mianjin. We also pay our respects to those on the other side of the river in Jagera and Yagera countries. And wherever we are on this land, sovereignty was never ceded. This was, is and always will be Aboriginal land. We acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging, and we also acknowledge that cultural learning was one of the oldest ways of passing on knowledge in these countries and has taken place on this land for thousands and thousands of years. We acknowledge any First Nations listeners who are here with us today. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Dwyer and I live and work on beautiful Gubby Gubby country, that saltwater country north of Mianjin. And I'm Rachel Jacobs, and I live on Gadigal land in the Eora Nation, and I work on Darul and Darug lands. We call this podcast Asking Hard Questions, because we know lots of teachers have questions on how to make the curriculum more diverse and the pedagogy more inclusive. And sometimes teachers don't know who to ask or they're worried about causing offence by asking. So this is a space where we can ask some of those questions and get some real answers. There are two main reasons we're doing this podcast. So the first reason is that I hear teachers asking these questions all the time. I work in arts education with pre-service teachers and as part of a professional association for music teachers. And it's the same questions coming up over and over again. And actually, sometimes it's questions that the teacher hasn't even thought to ask. They haven't thought about the cultural sensitivities of what what they're doing. They just do what they think is okay, what they think they can do. So this podcast is for you. And by making this podcast, we hope that it's going to save time answering the same questions over and over. We're both in teacher education. We have a lot of students who want to culturally do the right thing. And of course, we're in touch with teachers in schools who definitely want to do the right thing. And a result of all of our experience, we get asked these questions a lot. So hopefully this podcast is going to save us some time and energy. And it also means you can go back and return to issues when you need to. So welcome to episode one. I'm Rachel Jacobs, as I've mentioned before, and I lecture at Western Sydney University in arts education. I'm an Indian Australian. I was born in Papua New Guinea, and I'm a brown-skinned girl, very proudly. I live a racialised life. I have a racialised identity. And in Australia, I've got the insider-outsider syndrome. I definitely have lived my entire life as an Australian and feel very Australian, but I'm often experienced what most migrants do, which is feeling on the outside and feeling like they don't belong. So some of these issues that we're going to talk about are really personal to me. My name is Rachel Dwyer, as I said before, and um, my I work at the University of Sunshine Coast, um, and I was born in Australia. I am a settler here. Um, my All of my great-great-grandparents were also born in somewhere in Australia, and so I have a long, long history of... Um, growing up in Australia and my ancestors growing up in Australia um, without questioning their right to be here, without thinking about the privilege that came, comes along with being a settler here. And I'm now working with pre-service teachers who are, I would have to say, young people who are far more engaged um, in 
social justice and looking at um, how they can change the world through their teaching far more engaged than a lot of previous generations. And I also look at um, the schooling experiences of my own children. Um, next year I'll have two children in primary school and I look at the journey that their school really has come on in the five years that we've um, been associated with this state primary school and seeing the growth and development and just while it is a very, it is not a particularly diverse area. There is not a high uh, population of um, First Nations people, um, but there is an effort to continue to try and improve what they're doing, in particularly in terms of First, Re First Nations recognition in the school environment, but also just being generally inclusive and culturally respectful so they're taking steps and it's really been really interesting to be a part of um watching that journey in how um schools navigate this space but also how parents think about um the way they're bringing up their children in this world and i think it's that growth which is really important and most of all we hope that this will be a hopeful podcast and give you some tools to point you in the wrong, in the right direction. Uh, and we do acknowledge it's going to get a little complicated with the Rachel and Rachel show, but let's see how we go. It's time to get to the substance of episode one, which is about diverse representation and content for children. We're going to be talking about some much-loved institutions like the Wiggles and Play School and some other examples that shed light on the ways that we can approach cultural learning safely with children. So firstly, Rachel, something that I get told a lot is people will say to me, hey, Rachel Jacobs, uh, why are you talking about race with children who are so young? They're too young to be talking about these issues. Yeah. So look, from a, from a research perspective, we, that would have been, um, sort of an older view. And there was, um, a view from decades ago where people really thought that children preferred their own, uh, children who looked like them and people who looked like them so that there would be natural preferences for children um, to be drawn to other children who looked like them. And that was just a natural part of growing up. And that was what we thought happened. But then there was a whole lot of um, really from the really from the discipline of psychology, um, really controlled studies where children were offered choices and asked to explain why they made these choices and there's a really famous experiment and if you're feeling brave I'd encourage you to go and take a look at it probably take a box of tissues because it can be quite emotional um, and I'd say probably do that um, and at a time when you're feeling a little bit strong if you've experienced racial trauma yourself because it can be quite confronting but it's called the doll experiment and children were offered a choice of um, a doll with white skin or a doll with dark skin. And hearing children speak about why they made the choice or which one was better is really heart-wrenching. And we know that this is not something that children are born with. They learn it from their parents and from their communities. So there is work that we can do about um, encouraging children or supporting children to develop um, dispositions that are inclusive and build, lead to building strong and healthy communities. It's so true and we now know that identity is formed quite early in children and things like racial identity are coming up around the age of three so 
definitely not too young for us who are dealing with primary school teachers and, and also secondary teachers as well. And those messages are really meaningful at a young age. So when we first started this conversation, Rachel, I remember that we were talking about representation in places on TV and you sent me a video clip of the Wiggles doing a piece called Puppetum. Now, there's some context to this. Rachel doesn't just send me inappropriate <laughs> clips when she feels like it. Uh, so she was really gut-wrenched about whether to send me this clip because it has a representation of Indian people singing and dancing, saying the same word over and over again, which is Puppetum. And I imagine at the time they felt like it was a good opportunity to include different cultures in the Wiggles repertoire to dress up in some costumes, um, to have different dances on stage, although from memory there's only one Indian woman there looking very uncomfortable. So honestly, listeners, I don't recommend that you look at this clip. Uh, it was deeply uncomfortable for me. It's a cringe moment as well. Uh, so I think you can realize that it's pretty tokenistic. So the problem with this is that it's tokenizing someone else's culture. Uh, the dance is not done respectfully. There's no cultural learning involved. Um, a papadam is a food that we eat. It is not representative of our whole culture. Um, there's certainly no Indian song that I know of called Papadam Papadam over and over again. So it's a Wiggles invention. So it's actually cultural appropriation. And we're going to be talking a lot about cultural appropriation. We might even have a dedicated segment in one of these podcasts. But this actually represents what's wrong when you appropriate different cultures, dances, uh, or songs without authentic engagement in with the community. Now, uh, the Wiggles have done some work to walk this back, uh, but I'd like you to talk a little bit about some other aspects of their cultural representation that might have been either good or bad. Yeah, so look, we know that the Wiggles have done some work and there was a whole story around Papadam. It was years and years before they did walk it back, which is part of the problem. And they did apologise eventually when it was pointed out that this is not okay. But they have really, I would call it a mixed bag in terms of hits and misses in terms of cultural appropriation. The Wiggles have, at times, incorporated songs that have always incorporated songs and dances from around the world into their performances since the early days um, and continuing on to the work they do now as well. There have been some better examples, like when um, the Wiggles recorded Taba Naba, a dance from the Torres Strait Islands with Christine Arnu. They recorded that in 1999. And the video, which you can still see on YouTube today, um, includes an introduction from Christine about what the song means and why people sing it. Now, this is key to respectful use, to not appropriating cultural materials, is when we have an understanding and a respect for who sings it, why people sing it, what it means to them. That's what children need when they engage with songs and dances from diverse cultures. 
This context, on the other hand, is entirely missing from um, an example of I am a fine musician. Now, we're linking to all of these videos in the podcast description, so you can go and check them out and see the examples if you like. But in I am a fine musician, there is a First Nations Australian playing a didgeridoo wedged into the song. So I play the piano, I play the violin, I play the didgeridoo. Um there's also use of a, um, a sort of clothing and ochre painting that are just not explained at all. And the cultural significance of any of that part of the music or the costume or the paint is erased from the performance entirely. Yeah, so there are some problematic aspects as we can still see. As we've mentioned, we always applaud moving forward because this is where we want to encourage people into new and hopeful places. And by the way, we didn't make this podcast to gang up on the wiggles. This is an example that sheds light on some of the good practices and some of the problematic practices as well as a bit of a case study. So I want to acknowledge that wiggles have made some changes, particularly with representation. We've got the new wiggles now, which actually I really love them, to be honest. I think Evie Ferris is... um, the first First Nations um, ballerina to be featured on the Wiggles is just absolutely tremendous. It even moves away from Western styles of dancing in their representation. So Sahai is an amazing dancer and very young as well and very vibrant. Um, John is a great street dancer. Kelly skateboards um, and there's a little bit more diversity in terms of colour but I have to say there's still a little bit of a way to go with body diversity but you know we've all got things to work on don't um what else do you think the wiggles need to do look the thing that's still missing from the wiggles um from my perspective is an acknowledgement that the wiggles live and work on unceded first nations land so they have an opportunity with every episode to acknowledge country now while um some people say that that can become quite tokenistic um from our own experiences of working with First Nations people, it's not seen as tokenistic when it's genuine and it's a bare minimum. That acknowledging country, acknowledging where the work is made is a start and it it is something that would not be difficult for the Wiggles to add on an ongoing basis just to model those practices for their very young audiences who are at times getting those messages when they go to daycare and kindergarten because those settings generally do a pretty decent job of starting those practices and we could be seeing it in children's television as well. They really do do an amazing job. I remember being um, with one of my friend's children just at the park and she said that she wasn't able to start playing until she'd done the acknowledgement of country and I think her early learning centre was doing absolutely amazing job and we sat there and learnt her acknowledgement. It was really lovely. So let's talk about some places that do do that genuine engagement really well and an example of this is Play School that have recorded a beautiful welcome and acknowledgement of country. It's featuring some fantastic First Nations artists and actors such as Miranda Tapsell. Uh, they have featured First Nations artists like Gary Purchase, who has a beautiful Inu in the Sky piece, which tells a story of science and of innovation and technology through an artwork. And he talks that through in a way that children find incredibly accessible. They've also done a really great piece on 
Bhangra dancing, which is from the Punjab region in India. Uh, Bhangra dancing, I'm a huge fan, even though it's a little high cardio for me personally. That's why I stick to uh, Bollywood, uh, which doesn't exhaust me as much. So Bhangra is totally amazing, and they got a Bhangra troupe onto the show. They talked a, bit, a little bit about the history and about where it's from and the region, and they learnt the movements very, very respectfully, and then they tried some Bhangra dancing. And it was a way to showcase another culture without being tokenistic. So I think this is, you know, really good examples of how this can actually work in your classroom, in your early learning centre, in your own home even, without culturally appropriating, uh, while still enabling your children to experience really, really rich cultural engagement. So I think the key takeaway from all of the conversations we've had um, on this podcast, but also conversations that we've had previously as well, has been about context, about knowing where the art comes from, what it means to the people who make it, and to whenever we approach um, cultural materials or artistic practices that aren't, that we're not personally familiar with, we can approach that respectfully um, with an understanding of where and why um, it is made and how that is part of traditional cultural practices. Context really is everything, isn't it, Rachel? And we've written this down a few times and we will have some written materials that do come out at some stage. And this is going to become coming up in a lot of our future podcasts. So you can see that there's no easy answers here. And this podcast isn't designed to give our listeners an easy answers because being an anti-racist educator is lifelong work. It is hard. It's ongoing. And through this podcast, we want to encourage people to lean into difficult conversations, not shy away. And the absolute worst thing you can do is say, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. So I just won't do any cultural material at all, because that is also just going to give us a really white curriculum. And that's not what we want either. We also want to say that things do change and evolve. That years from now, or even a short time from now, some things that we've said today might be outdated. And a lot of people say to me, oh, Rachel, why do things change all the time? You know, it's always constantly changing. That's actually a hallmark of a good society is if we can move forward, if we can keep advancing, if we can say, look, some of the practices of the past really aren't acceptable because of what we know now and we're listening better and we're working harder. So just accept that things are going to change and we lean into that as well. I couldn't agree more and I think this is where we're going to leads us to a really nice closing point for today. This podcast is part of a series. In future episodes, we'll be speaking to a First Nations artist and teacher about her experience bringing her own culture and language into school classrooms. We'll talk to Rachel Jacobs and some of her colleagues about being a Bollywood dancer and how that can um, influence classroom practice and be a part of the curriculum. We'll also talk about navigating an anti-racist curriculum, how to um, make sure that, as we said at the start, our pedagogy is inclusive and our um, curriculum is as diverse as possible so we hope that you'll join us and keep listening yeah we absolutely hope that you can join us again and keep asking yourself the hard questions so that's all from rachel and rachel on asking hard questions